All right, before we begin the episode, as always, we have our Patreon shoutouts. They are our sponsors of the show from Patreon. We have Eric Sari, Andy Herbrandt, Paul C., Lauren L. and Nate Hansen. Again, guys, thank you so much for keeping the lights on. You know, you're helping pay for these servers, which are not free. And uh, yeah. actually, we've been in the red for a little while now, and we're uh, hopefully we'll start getting out of that. You know what they say, business, uh, you know, if you, if you start one, uh, you're not going to cut yourself a paycheck for the first, like, five years. Yeah, so. and, you know, the c- podcast continues to grow, but we really appreciate everything you've done for the podcast, guys. Eric, cue up that music. Hey, welcome to the Wisconsin Drunken History Podcast. We are your hosts, Eric Sturgeon. And I'm Russell Sorry. This podcast is about all things Wisconsin, history, music, culture, and beer. Although we don't often use strong language, the content is not intended for young audiences, so listener discretion is advised. If you love the bluegrass music you hear in this intro, please check out Dang It's from Madison, Wisconsin by visiting their website, dang-its.com. Now on to the show. All right, welcome back to another episode of Wisconsin Drunken History Podcast. This is, of course, your weekly dose of the Dairy State. Uh, We are your hosts, Eric. And I'm Russ. And once again, we have another riveting piece of Wisconsin lore to break down for you today. Uh, This one is coming from the land of the fib, uh, (laughs) otherwise known as Lake Geneva, Wisconsin. Um, They have they have slowly taken over that whole place. Yeah, no, I'm really excited about this one. Um, It's something I knew a little bit working at uh, the Playboy Club, which was um, worked at Grand Geneva, Geneva, which was originally the Playboy Club. So I'm pretty excited to hear about this. I hope you guys are, too. And it's kind of cool. We've been focusing on all these really cool studios here in Wisconsin. It's been like a theme, which is pretty paramount and and Butch Vig and and, uh, Paramount. Yeah. uh, awesome and um so yeah we will be discussing uh a little known recording gem uh that once existed at the playboy club uh aka grand geneva which is what it is now Uh, but before we jump into that uh, we also wanted to remind you all if you haven't um please like and subscribe and and all that sort of stuff on the social medias leave us a five star on uh on uh, apple podcast that's huge yeah those are amazing i love reading them too they're great and and youtube please uh hit subscribe even if you don't even use your youtube uh it, it means so much uh to us and and to the algorithm it helps boost us in ways that uh like I said, are, are just sort of unimaginable. Yeah, and I know we've been in the talks, too, about possibly doing more um, video. Yeah, so we, once we get our studio, a new studio, hopefully up and running pretty soon here. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. As, soon as, as soon as we have the ability uh, in, in the right uh, in the right place, you know, we want to bring more of a video version of this to you as well to make it worthwhile uh, uh, on the YouTube. Right now, it's just listening to the episode, but... Yeah. You know, hey, in the near future, it, it you'll see us enjoying these uh, libations and, and all uh, that stuff. How many beers we consume per like per exactly. recording? Holy you smokes! Will, you, you will like, get a wow. you will get a, a more personal understanding of just how <laughs> much mind. goes into this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and and honestly, um, all of those seemingly uh, simple tasks uh, have a huge effect uh, for us uh, and the overall reach that we're able to uh, to to get to. So. Uh, if you can, please do so. If you just want to uh, uh, tell somebody about us, uh, do that as well. Um, hey, 
Bye. Hey. Check it out. Hey, hey, buddy, I'm listening to this show. Check it out. Hey. <clears throat> so also check out our website, uh, WisconsinDrunkenHistory.com. Uh, we have uh, not only the episodes are generally on there, but also links to our Patreon. Again, like we said at the top of the episode, those individuals kind of help keep things turning here, uh, as well as like our tea Public. So if you want to buy a T-shirt or uh, some other logo memorabilia that we sell, uh, that also kind of helps keep things turning and uh, really supports us yeah. just to keep things going. And it's guys, not a paycheck for us. Right. If you guys do buy a shirt, too, uh, take a picture. You know, we want to check out the quality and not only see our awesome fans in person, right? I mean, exactly. we don't get to see you guys. You just listen to us and uh, Yeah, I'd say post it on Instagram, tag us in there. Yeah. It'll be awesome. Yeah. And uh, thanks for listening. That's all we want to say at this point at the top of the episode let's go ahead and jump right in then on the main story uh again this is the playboy club recording Ooh. studio found in lake geneva um so the story actually begins south of the border uh, a man named andy waterman uh who grew up in dundee uh it's a chicago burb it's not um, it's not crocodile dundee <clears throat> it's not crocodile Nicole, they had a knife yeah this is not, not that a, guy okay it's yeah. not a knife uh, Andy uh, was a talented musician, uh, often would cruise north of the border to play gigs in the Wisconsin area. Uh, he is noted as saying uh, some of the most creative bands I ever worked with came out of Wisconsin. That's true. Uh, he says today from uh, from his recording studio, uh, and that's called Umbrella Media. So if you have a chance, check that out. That's near Los Angeles area. Wow. Um, but they were marching to their own drummer. And a lot of the bands that came out of Milwaukee or Madison had a fresh take on music, whereas bands in Chicago were just sort of following the trends. Uh, he also once worked for McDonald's writing jingles for advertisements uh, and, and had worked on a, probably a, a, a number of the ones that we've heard. Yeah. So uh, pretty cool. And uh, so his dream, his passion, uh, his goal was to work in recording. And he, he had sort of had that dream, you know, all along. He said anything to get into a recording studio. That was my mantra as a teenager. So, I mean, I, I would imagine he had the same dreams and goals as we did. Yeah. When we were younger, all like, we wanted all we to do was is music, be around man. music. Yeah. That's all we wanted to do for the longest time, man. Um, so Waterman graduated from NIU, that's Northern Illinois University, uh, in the mid-70s, uh, completing his undergraduate in music studies. Uh, shortly thereafter, he learned of a small studio in nearby Lake Geneva, and that was called Castle Recording, uh, which was owned and operated by Vern and Jan Castle, uh, a husband and wife musical duo. Um, probably best known for writing and recording jingles for such iconic brands as Wrigley's Gum, Menards, and American Family Insurance. Wow. Some of those jingles that we uh, they're still used today. So, like you just mentioned before we hit record, the save big money at Menards. We were not on on that one. <laughs> no, it was it was close. I, I I yeah, I didn't do that one justice. But um, anyway. Amazing jingles were recorded right there in that Lake Geneva studio called Castle. Um, Waterman took a job as a jack of all trades, uh, and this is where he actually started to make his dream a reality. So he would produce, engineer, sing, and even sometimes pick up instruments uh, whenever a jingle required him to. During this time, Waterman also picked up a little side gig uh, playing in the house band at Lake Geneva's Playboy Club. 
the Playboy Club played an important role in drawing top-tier entertainment into their venue, uh, which Waterman recognized and soon pitched the idea of expanding Playboy's entertainment business to include a recording studio. Nice. Um, Which, you know, Russ and I have kind of touched on a little bit here. Um, You know, we've we've both been to and worked at uh, the uh, Grand Geneva, which is like, you know, the it's yeah. the same grounds. A lot of the, the buildings that exist there uh, were all they came about during this era. So um, the, the recording studio building is actually still there. Um, none of the uh, original equipment is in there, though. Um, I've actually been in there when I worked as a bellman. I got a key card one time and went in there. There's still some of the old stuff and they're not. I don't know about anymore, but when I was there, there's still some speakers right. and stuff left over, like just some like kind of odds and ends. Yeah. Odds and ends yeah. left over in that studio. So, so with the jingle business staying mostly flat, no real growth. Uh, it wasn't really dying. It wasn't really growing. It was just kind of staying stagnant. Uh, Waterman had bigger plans and, uh, soon he would start to break ground when he struck a deal to purchase castle studios from Vernon Jan. Uh, the, the vision, uh, with Alpine Valley Music Theater nearby, drawing the largest rock and roll acts of the time, and the Playboy Club playing host to most of them uh, while they were in town, why not capitalize on this captive market and simultaneously introduce the country to a thriving Midwestern music scene? Uh, one two-page pitch and a few meetings with Suits later, Waterman had his green light on the project, and Playboy was set to move forward to join the recording arts business. So Walworth County officials issued the building permits uh, necessary for a 35-foot by 25-foot building that would serve as Shade Tree Recording Studio, uh, and, and, and this is sort of up in the air. A lot of the articles aren't sure exactly when, but it is noted that it may be opened sometime in um, 1978. Nice. It's like the rock era, man. That's awesome. If you think about it, I mean, yeah, there's a, a, um, just a world of music to be released, you know, after 1970. Yeah. Um, so the earliest artist to jump on board was John Cougar Mellencamp. The yes, this is back when he still had Cougar in his name. Um, but it didn't take long for uh, the economy and uh, reputations to affect the success, and uh, a little cloud came over the Shade Tree rec- uh, recording studio. Um, uh, as the new decade approached, Playboy was no longer a trendsetter. Uh, re- record labels were cutting budgets, uh, like, like by a lot. Uh, and, and Waterman and his wife divorced, so a lot of things were happening uh, to uh, to Waterman and the recording industry as a whole at this time. So by 1980, Waterman had left, and Shade Tree was now uh, just trying to survive at the hands of Waterman's ex-wife Judy uh, and another initial uh, financial partner, uh, Larry Schroeder. So those two are still trying to kind of make things work at this point. And, and again, it's, it's in its infancy. We're talking only about two years into this whole project. So um, after Playboy sold the resort in 1982 to the Bass Brothers of Texas. The Bass Bros. Yeah, the old Bass Bro, baby. Bass to mouth. <clears throat> Ooh, that's it, that boat. <laughs> yep. Um, so those guys uh, are best known as uh, uh, the owners of the Americana Resort chain. Um, the studio sat empty then until about 1985, uh, when Phil Bonanno opened it as Sound Summit. The studio became world class uh, when they upgraded their console to a Neve 
8068 board. I think we recorded on <clears> that board, actually, yes. at Madison Media Institute, didn't yep. we? Yep. So uh, it's a custom, uh, all hand-wired. Neve are, uh, uh, they're, they're highly regarded as the best real true natural sound uh they're they're just the preamps and everything are are amazing um one of the things that uh we didn't mention in last episode about butch vig is uh that never mind the the big iconic nirvana album was actually recorded at sound city um it it started demoing at smart studio in madison uh, but only a few of those tracks uh were, were ever um recorded and you can still kind of find some of those demos today, uh, which we'll talk a little bit about here in a minute. But uh, I just wanted to kind of side tangent here. But the the console at uh, Sound City was a Neve uh, that uh, uh, they had bought, and and, um, and and again, it's just it's all hand wired. Uh, you know, huge console. I mean, Russ, you know. Uh, a board with you know how many faders are on that fucking oh, thing that thing was huge i mean it's like 40 48 you know whatever it is it's a huge you know track recorder so um absolutely amazing uh, uh boards and stuff but uh um so sound summit saw the likes of survivor cheap trick guns and roses bon jovi skid row robert plant nine inch nails and red hot chili peppers and that's just to name uh, a few of the the bands that sort of recorded there, but those are the most iconic, I would say. Um, these iconic bands all have one thing in common: they have recorded hits at Sound Summit in Lake Geneva, Wisconsin. That's right, I said it in Lake Geneva. Fib Capital. Fib. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so, however, the studio remained largely underutilized. Uh, and was often not scheduled for any sort of recording time. So most of the bands would book the studio to record songs, uh, parts of songs, or even uh, just mixing purposes. Uh, and this led to very poor finances. Uh, and at this time, the primary investors in the studio decided to kind of cut their losses and fold. So bands weren't booking, paychecks stopped, and uh, and eventually everyone just kind of walked away from this thing. Um Hey, guess what? This isn't where the story ends, all right? So sometime then in about uh, late 1985 or early 86, uh, enter a diamond importer named Ron Fagerstein and the newly renamed Royal Recorders. Uh, Fagerstein enlisted the help of Phil Bonanno. He was uh, in the last uh, workings of Sound Summit. Uh, and it was Bonanno's connections uh, and knowledge of the business that initially brought in all of the talent mentioned above. Uh, many of those studio uh, studio engineers uh, returned to actually help in in the supporting efforts of Royal Recorders, uh, as well as uh, um, it was at this time that Fazerstein mentioned uh, money is no object. So he actually went on to purchase a larger console made by SSL, which is Sound Studio Logic, a brand that still exists today. They make a lot of um, um, uh, home recording levels type stuff. SSL is uh, uh, big in uh, they they make rack consoles now instead of these big, you know, looming 40 track recorders, you know. Um, so uh, SSL, he, he purchased a brand new board. It was an 80 output solid state console, replacing the Neve 8068 tube console. Uh, like I said, those used uh, vacuum tubes instead of uh, the new solid state uh, fucking what a trans 
transistors or some shit. Everything's solid. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, so he also hired a new studio manager, Helen Tyler, who uh, it, it, she was in her mid-20s and still very green in the business. So Fazerstein dumped a ton of money into the studio, but did little to help grow the clientele and would eventually make the same financial decisions as the others and sell the studio to another dreamer you know somebody who uh just had a little bit more vision for this place so uh enter uh dan harjung and rich denhart two studio engineers from the failed shade tree and royal recorders uh studio uh they decided that they had uh, what it takes to make this thing successful so in uh, 1993 the studio officially became music head a couple of successful records Lives uh, throwing copper we all and know that one. exactly and crash test dummies. Wow. God shuffled his feet. Uh, those were both almost entirely recorded at Music Head, which is crazy because the bands that we had kind of mentioned uh, before, n- uh, whole records weren't recorded at this place. It might have been a song or even just parts of songs. Uh, sometimes the room is just right for vocals or the room is just right for drums. So they would track parts of songs. Uh, but uh, uh, for the, for the most part, a lot of times the, the shade tree and, and uh, all the, the places that this thing was called before would be for uh, uh, mixing and stuff. So, um, this was new to them that all this, you know, these, these albums were almost entirely recorded at this studio. Uh, however, sometime in 1995, the phone once again stopped ringing and the recording scene in Lake Geneva had almost completely run dry, uh, which is crazy to think that there was even a, uh, a clientele before then. But, um, Harjung and Denhart, uh, they gave the studio back to Fazerstein. Uh, who in in an attempt to recoup some of his losses decided to dismantle and sell the SSL console, uh, which is rumored to be in the basement studio of uh, R. Kelly. Oh, man. I mean, that probably smells like pee. (laughs) Oh, yeah. There's some some wee-wee on toilet chicks' faces in there. It's it's bad, right? It's not good. It's stained with piss. You know, the, the story here is... You know, it's it's wild because we're talking about Lake Geneva. Um, you know, it's probably what a good forty miles away from Chicago, and it's uh, just it's a country kind of feel. Yeah, yeah. And and to even think that there was a a clientele or business that would want to record there is wild to me. And and I don't know. I've always heard these rumors, and I I've never known if they're true. And I've even looked it up, and there's like a lot of speculation on it, but. For things like Aretha Franklin, our uh, respect was recorded there in yeah. a Paradise City by the Guns mm-hmm. N' Roses, as it was referencing Lake Geneva as the Paradise City, which I don't know how you reference the one strip of uh, shops, the Paradise yeah, yeah. City, but I mean, somebody's people love it, right? I mean, it's packed every single year, so there must be something there that I'm missing that I haven't seen. Or... I think it's just an allure, uh, a shimmer that we don't see because we live here, you know? Maybe we've, um, we've driven through there a million times, maybe, you think? Well, as we grow, uh, we grew up in Elkhorn, and, and, and uh, Lake Geneva is a five-minute drive, you know? And uh, being that close to it, I think for us, it was mostly... Um, you know, just not, it wasn't what it was to everybody else. Yeah. I mean, you're leaving the big city to come to kind of a small country. Yeah. To that beautiful them, lake, I guess. Exactly. You know? So maybe so that's more what it you're, was. You're hitting but. on the, on the perfect thing right there. A few restaurants, a few little tiny shops, a beautiful lake. Uh, that's just something that the, the country or the, the city folk don't see. 
and this was the perfect area for it. And the resort that, uh, that Grand Geneva is, and, uh, um, you know, it, it's just, it's an amazing place. And for, for that to have been the, the playboy club at one point in time, I know we, we touched very lightly on that in this episode, that could be an episode of its own as the playboy club in Lake Geneva, Wisconsin. But, uh, we really wanted to, to touch on the recording aspect of it because, uh, as Russ sort of kind of, uh, talked about earlier that original Neve console, it was sold to, uh, Madison media Institute that was in their studio B, I believe it was or studio two. And Russ and I had a chance to actually record on that board. Yeah. Uh, and, and one of the individuals from guns and roses had actually etched or carved his name into the board. So we got a chance to see that. And we recorded uh, a three track on that mm-hmm. and, uh, just an absolutely cool story that, uh, you know, remains sort of mysterious. I really wish that somebody really close to uh, this this whole thing would make some sort of a page devoted to that. Tell us the stories of this because it doesn't exist right now. A few articles were written by uh, some really local Lake Geneva papers and and whatever, but it, it nothing big. I just want to see more. I, I yeah, need to yeah. know the real history. We we were only able to find these few things and. Uh, it, it, like I said, it remains sort of mysterious. Yeah, the cool thing about the Playboy Club is like we a lot like so we had some teachers that were maybe a little bit older, but they're still smoking hot, and a lot of them used to be Playboy bunnies at the at yeah. the mansion, which is crazy to us. I mean, Absolutely. I, I still think they're kind of hot, but yeah, yeah. I mean, hey, <laughs> we're not gonna drop names though. No, but we know who they are. We know who you are. Yeah, we're, yeah. we're keeping an eye on you, if you will. So. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, that was our main segment, and that was the story of the Playboy Club recording studio. Now on to our music segment, and uh, this whole episode is kind of like a music segment yeah, if you think awesome. about it, but uh, this one is by a band called Versio Curs. Uh, the song is called Recess. Uh, Russ, they're like Milwaukee, yeah. indie. Yeah, you're getting like an indie feel, kind of has that upbeat feel to it. I, I really like these guys. I mean, they're another one out of Milwaukee that are, are probably going to do something big, you know, and... We're doing whatever we can on the show to yeah. get that word out there for them because these guys are awesome. They put out some new albums. I think Quit came out, yeah. um, some of their other ones. And, yeah, I, I love these guys from Milwaukee, Wisconsin, too. So. Yeah, uh, and, and again, I mean, you can just sort of hear it looming in their in their music that it's destined to take that next step. And and uh, it's something that you could easily hear on, like, 1021. Oh, yeah, Alternative Station, and for sure. Yeah, I mean, it just it's amazing and... Uh, it transfers to the stage as well. Uh, when you see these, uh, th- you know, this band live, they're uh, they're just so damn good. Agree. And in fact, it, you know, uh, I think like with a lot of music, it's better when you just see it live. Uh, and and I'm not saying that to take anything away from the recording. It's just I feel like you have to put on your best hat to to do this take and and have it be like this thing. And it it just recording is such a. Uh, uh, a mindless process you know you're trying to capture lightning in a bottle if you will when in fact it's the music itself is just it's a thing that changes kind of as you go 
Yeah, I, I think, you know, this song, I, I think you chose a good one to kind of highlight the band, too. Yeah. And, you know, it has a lot of that guitar pieces, that indie guitar. Um, you know, guy that got some effects on there, like maybe some overdubbing of vocals. Like, this is just a good showpiece for them, yeah. right? And I, I think these guys are going to do something really large. Yeah, so this is Versio Kurz, Reset. <laughs> That was good. God dang it. Holy cow, Barb. Go and check it out. Oh, man. Uh, would you ever. This uh, th- this is a great piece of uh, Milwaukee music. I just absolutely love it. Uh, Versio Cures. They're, they're phenomenal uh, uh, musicians, and the music that they're producing, like we said, feels like it could take that next step at any moment. So uh, we are now on to our beverage review segment, which is uh, a staple of the show. And Russ, tell us what we have in our hands today. Yeah, so this is a new beer I've never actually had from a new company I've never had. So I'm really excited for this one. Um, today we're drinking a company brewing beer uh, called Space Whistle. Woo, doggy, it's good. And yeah. it is a mosaic IPA coming in at 6.5% ABV. And uh, the can art, again, really awesome, right? It kind of has like these little like worm dudes that are in the shape of an S and W one is orange. One is pink. Um, just a really cool can art. I mean, we always talk about how awesome the can art is, but these, this one's pretty awesome. Yeah. I, I mean, I think that, uh, um, th- I think they're, they're, 
all the new brews in these craft beers are are understanding that like hey the thing that's going to draw me to your beer uh over somebody else's is some really sick art yeah. and that's exactly what we have here with space whistle um and and, and it's a mosaic ipa coming in at six and a half percent it is uh it is it, it's a it's a hoppy beer yes you're, you're tasting uh, for sure, the uh, the mosaic is coming through right yeah, away. Right, we've, we've done these smash beers like this where that mosaic comes through. The mosaic hits hard, hard. Yeah. and you you know this one also has a little upfront bitter, but it actually is going down really smooth and giving you that like mosaic taste. But you're definitely getting some bitter up front. At least I am right away. Yeah, a hundred percent. Yeah. So like you said, it it's definitely an IPA, and it definitely shows. Uh, and, and like you said, it's a smash hop, so it's it's one hop straightforward. It's mosaic, and, and that's what you're getting. And so, Eric, I mean, it sounds like we're going to have to get Company Brewing on the show because I've actually never heard of Company Brewing, and maybe oh, wow. we're going to have to go and check this one out, maybe get a behind-the-scenes because I'm really interested. Yeah, they're, I think, on Center Street in Milwaukee. Um, I've been I, I've been to the, the brewery. You have? Okay. Um, uh, yeah. Just, Pretty neat facility you know, and everything, yeah? I See, I don't remember too much about it because it's been a few years. Yeah. Um, maybe just before COVID or something like that. But anywho, uh, yeah, the the beer that they're producing out of there is really good. Uh, I think we'll probably have another one. Uh, so they did a couple releases um, along with Space Whistle. Uh, there's a couple other new ones that I found on the shelf. Uh, so that'll be something that we uh, check out, I, I know, on another future episode. Uh, but they're just so, so good. Yeah. I mean, this one, like, it has, like, the perfect carbonation. It's pouring that, like, dark golden color like an IPA should. Which it's d- delicious. It's, it's very... It's, when you say it has the perfect carbonation... It, it, it that shouldn't be taken lightly. Um, it's very difficult to get the perfect carbonation when you're talking about canning a beer. Right. Um, it, it, the 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 process in which you do that, if it's over carbonated, it can also start to referment in the can. Uh, it, it can obviously explode when you open it. Mm-hmm. Uh, those are all things that that can happen when you over carbonate a beer. So to, to find that perfect balance. It's not easy. Right. And, you know, it's it's nice. You take a sip of it, you get a little bit of that bubbly on your tongue. You can feel it right away. Exactly. Um, but, you know, even for us with the home brewing, I mean, like, carbonation is such key. I mean, there was times where we wanted to drink the beer, so we forced carbonated rolling kegs on the floor. Remember that? Yeah. So we rolled kegs to try to get that carbonation there so we could drink it right away. But normally you got to let that sit for a while. But whatever they did to get this carbonated, they did a great job. And I hate to focus on the carbonation because the beer is really good, but carbonation is a huge thing for me. It is. Right? I mean, especially with an IPA, it has to have that perfect carbonation. You don't want to overcarb; you want it like perfect. And I think they did a great job in this one. Yeah, very well crafted. And uh, Eric, where did you find this beer? Uh, so these, uh, this one was from um, Total Wine. From Total Wine. Yeah, uh, and and again, I I can't I can't say enough about um, Total Wine uh, in their selection of. Uh, craft beers from right here in Wisconsin. They do a great job of keeping the the shelves stocked with new stuff and and good refreshing stuff. Yeah, no, it's it's great. I, I can't wait to pick up another one and try some more beers from them. And I I really hope we can get them on the show because yeah, this beer is phenomenally crafted. And I'm really surprised I haven't heard of this one to be honest. Like, and I know a lot of the the breweries around here. Right? Absolutely, I mean, we're friends with some of the people at a lot yeah. of these breweries. Yeah, so. we've really we you know because of this show we've had a, a really good opportunity to uh, sort of befriend a lot of uh, the craft brewers here 
especially in the Milwaukee area, but also, you know, out by you and Beloit, you know, with G5 and stuff. Oh, so yeah. um, absolutely phenomenal beer. This is from Company Brewing. Uh, the one that we are drinking is Space Whistle. Grab a seat, gather around, join us for a chat. How many logos you have? All right, folks, you know what that means, Eric. How many locos you have? We're about to tell you another dastardly tale of the DUI. And uh, this one, uh, whoa, she looks rough. Yeah. So. She's tired of these goddamn kids, and you'll find out why. Driver's ed teacher driving (laughs) student driver. Car arrested for OWI. Oh, sorry. I read that stupid. Uh, Let me do that again. She's driving the Driver ed teacher driving the student driver car is arrested for OWI. Not a good. Yeah, never a good time. So this individual was cited for OWI first offense near Whitehall, which is uh, actually pretty close to where uh, my dad is from. And uh, so... Whitehall, Wisconsin, a Whitehall police officer arrested a driver's education instructor for her OWI first offense on Sunday morning. The Whitehall Police Department said that this individual of independence was driving a student driver car when she weaved all over the road, crossed the yellow center line multiple times. Uh, That was Sunday at about 8, 10 in the morning. Holy shit. That was an early start. Yeah. Shouldn't have been on the road that early no. uh, after making, holy shit, quick trips involved here. Oh, no. A police officer followed this individual as she pulled into a quick trip parking lot at Dewey and Park Streets, where four juveniles approached the driver and began talking to her. Uh, the officer assumed they were uh, to be picked up for driving lessons uh, by this instructor. Uh, the officer then approached her and asked if she had been drinking, according to the police report. So the individual told the officer uh, she had a glass of wine uh, and, uh, with her supper last night. Okay. Okay. Yeah, um, that should be gone by now. Uh, yeah. But, in the morning, but yeah. But has had, uh, hasn't had a drink since. Oh. I'm telling you what, a glass of wine at supper last night isn't going to make you weave all over the damn place. Uh, she also said, I guess, that she takes medication each morning uh, and has uh, codeine in it. So, I guess, I mean, the codeine can typically make you a little drowsy. Um, so, she said uh, that may have been the reason for the uh, erratic driving behavior. So, <clears throat> let's see what else we got. Yeah, yeah. So, was... after performing a field sobriety test, uh, the individual was arrested and cited for OWI. Uh, her preliminary breath test was. Point one oh my god yeah Oof, that's more than codeine that's, that's not wine. the codeine either that's a little more yeah so, so oof. the officer explained to the students and parents uh waiting in the quick trip parking lot that uh, this individual would not be able to instruct them for <laughs> sunday's driving lessons oh man well uh so point one oh eight yep um, glass of wine at supper last yeah, night. <laughs> well, point one away. Um, I don't know if that was a glass, but that might have been a whole bottle. But um, yeah, you know, she's a she's a little bit older lady. It's her first offense. Yeah. Um, so she probably doesn't have a tolerance. But the point one away is a little concerning, right? That's might have been more than a bottle of wine, to be honest. Yeah, I I mean, it's definitely more than a glass. Um, at supper. And what this is eight ten in the morning. So this wasn't early. This was a breakfast brew. Well, that's what I mean. So like. You know, if if this was the night before, um, 
0.108 is is still a high level if if somebody got eight hours of sleep. Like, yeah, yeah. Let's well, just even maybe, say that yeah. she went to bed at midnight. Uh, 0.108's large. Yeah, at, I mean, at eight a.m. Even if you consume like three bottles of wine, mm-hmm. you'd be okay by that point, right? So, I mean, this is kind of rough. Um, I think she's lying about what she had when she had it. Uh, it's certainly not whatever medication she has. You know, if it's like Tylenol three with codeine, codeine makes you a little drowsy. I will admit that, but it won't make you blow a point one oh eight. Yeah, I mean, um, so in a little bit older, first offense though, so it might be a little lower on my local scale. To be honest with yeah. you, like I and it, she's still functioning. She's just a little like maybe buzzed or tipsy kind of, and like why the officer questioned her in the first place. Like yeah. maybe she's acting a little weird. No, and 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 you know, it, it does say uh, that. Uh, um, so it, it definitely makes me. It definitely makes me feel like, uh, you know, the, the weaving in and out of the, the center line a couple times. Um, I mean, 0.108 is 0.108. You can't get out of that. That's, yeah. But also, if your driving's impaired, I mean, that's even worse. Yeah, plus she's a driver instructor, so I'm guessing she's not going to be teaching kids how to drive for a while. Well, I don't think, yeah, honest. I certainly don't think that that's going to be in her uh, in her future much longer. So, so do you have your number, Eric? I think I got a pretty good number on this one. I mean, I think I have an idea. I, I don't know. I'm going to shout mine out and see where you're at, too. Yeah. We're going to do it on three. All right. Yeah, three, I'm, two, one, eight. Six. Yeah. Eight local. So we'll go with a seven loco, the Siete, on this one. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I think... I think that's a good range. I mean, I, I don't think she's, like, ridiculous. I think she just doesn't have a lot of tolerance build up. First offense, I mean, she's an older lady, so first offense, I mean, that's... Yeah. She made it this long without getting one. And, yeah. You know, so I, I don't think she's an alcoholic. I don't think she can handle a lot of booze. I think that's the case here, is that, you know, I think the age and then maybe the fact that she's not super into uh, to drinking hard. You know, we've had plenty of cases out here that uh, these individuals are elderly but also really experienced and seasoned drinkers i don't think that's the case here i think uh it's not a glass of wine that's for sure it's definitely a bottle with i her think scrambled a bottle eggs. for sure with, with her scr- scrambled eggs yeah, yeah she definitely had a couple of morning uh uh bloodies or, or something else oh yeah know? and i feel so bad for these people too like the intake photos are always the worst i mean i've seen some of my friends look haggard like they, they didn't do a great job on this one rudolph the red nose reindeer here. yeah She's got they, a scrape right on the tip of her nose there. They, they they really rough this photo up and she looks <clears> probably rougher than she really is i mean that's always the intake photos i mean yeah <laughs> like, but no I, I think a seven, seven. local is safe on my end do you want to sound the gavel eric all right, today we're here with Paul from Pet Skull Brewing in Manitowoc. How are you doing, Paul? I'm doing awesome. It's hard not to do awesome when you own a brewery. I know. Oh, yeah, you got Dude, the you're living the, you're living the damn life. <laughs> <laughs> there's, certain, there's certain days that's not quite living the dream, but for the most part, there's worse ways to earn a living, I'll tell you that. I, sure. I can definitely feel you on that. So, Paul, can you give us a little background on Pet Skull Brewing, um, the name, and how you guys got your start? So... We uh, we started a small a uh, small tap room and a small four barrel uh, brewery uh, here in downtown Manitowoc back in 2017. Uh, I, I had a, I had a really good day job. I was uh, I taught at a technical college. I taught IT. I mean, I had a great job, but it was kind of disappointed that Manitowoc didn't have any craft breweries. And uh, so I, after uh, many many uh, uh, years of trying to convince my wife that that's the right thing to do, we found this. Uh, we, we found this little space uh, in downtown Manitowoc where 
you know, our tap room was maybe 35 people. And like I said, a small little four barrel brewery brewing system that, you know, we built and cobbled together. And, um, man, it, it, it took off. I mean, and I think the people of Manitowoc, uh, uh, just really gravitated towards it. Cause like we didn't have anything like that. And, um, most recently here within the last two months, we have since relocated to a, to a beautiful, big, a lot bigger building. It's a beautiful two-story, 100-year-old Cream City brick building. Where, oh, nice. Um, not, now we've got a really big a tap room that we can probably fit about 175 people in. We put in a beautiful 10-barrel brewing system. Um, so, you know, and, and I have since quit the day job. So this is, this is oh, it, man. Yeah. This is all I'm doing. And um, so we've been at it. Pet Skull Brewing has been a thing for about four years. Damn. I high five to you, man. Hats off uh, to to completely realize the dream. Then at that point, um, and and we have yet to to make it up there. But uh, I went up there actually at the height of COVID uh, last year and uh, just sort of uh, went around and, and drove. I, we just yeah. literally took a quick cruise to Manitowoc because we just wanted to see the area. And yeah. uh, you're right, there just wasn't. Uh, that that one thing you know that that's kind of what we were talking about and um you know we didn't make it through uh i don't think the heart of of downtown but i'm so glad that you exist up there (laughs) yeah yeah like the people everybody needs a fine craft beer and they need it in their hometown damn it yeah absolutely i mean that was and that was what we were disappointed about i mean we would travel to small cities um, you know, when we'd be on vacation and that's, we'd always hit these places up just like everybody else does. Right. Yeah. I was like, man, how come Manitowoc doesn't have anything? And, and like I said, man, I had a great day job and, and I was, I was just a home brewer, you know, and just kept thinking somebody will, somebody will. And finally got to the point where holy, for the love of God, it was me. I, I did it. <laughs> Nobody I will believe it. I just can't believe it to this day. So like I said, we've been rolling for four years. And then, um, just back in March, uh, Manitowoc got their second one, which is sabbatical brewing company yeah. on the West side of town. So they're, so now they're rolling as well. So now we got two, um, there's rumblings about maybe a third. So I think, you know, we're, we're starting to get on the map a little bit with, with craft beer. Awesome, Paul. Yeah. And, uh, with, with Petskull Brewing, is, uh, there any new beers we need to check out like immediately our audience? Well, you know, uh, I'm a big, I'm a big guy where we love to brew with the seasons. Yeah. So with fall coming up here, um, we've got a uh, – this upcoming week, actually, well, is going to be uh, – we're putting out our campfire song. It's a caramel coffee brown ale, which is perfect for, for the fall season. Uh, we got a pecan nut brown coming up. Of course, our Oktoberfest is coming up soon. We're having our big Oktoberfest party on the 18th of September. Um, and then we always do – every year we do an imperial pumpkin ale. A lot of people do pumpkin Ooh. beers, but – we, we do we do an imperial. It's about eight and a half percent. We keep it we keep it lightly spiced because we didn't want the spice to be the focus. We wanted you know a nice big multi um, spiced beer. Right. But then we serve it with a little bit of a little bit of cinnamon and sugar on the rim if wanted. Oh so, um, shoot! It just kind of makes it very very cool. So those are some kind of the cool things we got coming up uh, in the next month here at the Old Skull. I'll tell you what I um you know it's like when uh, when the places do the Bloody Mary with that little bit of. Uh, uh, salt and and uh, like yeah. spices on the rim. I love yep. that. It's basically the same kind of idea, right? Somebody gave me that idea about doing. It. I'm like, that'd be freaking fantastic. Now, we sell we sell a ton of that, man. Now, when you do that on the rim like that, do you? I mean, are you judging people when they're licking the the whole outside <laughs> of that rim like that? 
Oh, I, I like it, man. I Men and women alike, man. I get into it. That's what I'm into. <laughs> I just want to make sure because, oh, yeah. you know, I always get that. And then I, I see other people around me, and they're just kind of leaving it there. And I'm like, yeah. I need to tongue the rim on this baby because <laughs> I'm not going to leave all the I'm not going to leave all the tastiness here. That's it. I'm going to make a shirt. The name of that beer is the Jacked Up Lantern. We call it. Yeah. So it's going to be the Jacked Up Lantern on the back. It says, "Lick the rim." <laughs> oh, I love it. Just tongue the rim, man. I am into <laughs> it. Tongue the rim. I'm into <laughs> it. I'm into it. Good. Yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm a huge fan of uh, of of the seasonal beers, like you're saying, and I think that uh, craft beer is all about that. That's. I mean, that's yeah. the reason why it was created. Is uh, uh, well, you know, hey, we don't always just want this straight up pale ale or or the lager you know we want a little something that's uh you know carefully crafted you know yeah yeah yeah. and it's fun because i mean it it does change it up you know we do have our staples you know you you brew those over and over and over again and you have because they sell like crazy but yeah what really brings people in the door are those beers that are constantly kind of rotating and the best ones are like the seasonal ones yeah yeah man it's one of my favorite parts about this industry is just brewing for the season well i guarantee we're gonna we're gonna set aside some time and we're gonna hit hit up uh uh pet skull and and we're gonna see everything that you got to offer up there um fantastic yeah i'd love to have you guys i can't wait so before we get into the next segment um talking about that is there any events we need to look out for from uh, pet skull to come check you guys out good point good point yeah well definitely so i mentioned before that on saturday september 18th we're having our fourth annual munich and manitowoc oktoberfest party we've been like i said this is going to be our fourth year and it's always been a a, a great event we that's the day we tap our oktoberfest so we we don't even have our oktoberfest on tap yet i i wait until that day we got the inaugural keg uh you know that we tap and, uh, you know, last year was a little bit low attendance because of COVID. You know, we were still coming out of COVID there. But the year before, you know, we had six, 700 people attend. Your mass walk, I thought that was really good. So that's going to be on Saturday the 18th from 2 until 10. I got the Ryan Kautzer Orchestra playing. They're, we're going to do some fine array of polkas. We'll have some rock, oh, yeah. uh and good stuff. So, no, it's going to be it's going to be a good time. And now we've got a lot more space because we're in this this big facility. We've got a huge you know, 2,500 square foot patio as well. So that's where we'll set up the beer wagon and the band. And I think it should be a pretty good event to drink beer since so. Hey, you know, I uh, I don't normally need a, a real reason to drink beer, but uh, I always appreciate one. <laughs> <laughs> right. it, always, it always makes me feel good when, when it's like, well, I really should do that. Instead of yeah. I want to. <laughs> you know, I'd really like to celebrate today, you know, and uh, and Pet School's really giving me a reason here. Um, <laughs> and that's what we're here for here. Hey, I'm here to help. I'm yeah, to help. I, and, and I appreciate it more than anybody. Uh, and, and, and you know what? Uh God, what what a delicious, delicious sound and beer. Now, what else we have here is a delicious segment that we like to call How Scony Are You? And uh Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like yeah. I said, it's not it's not we're not here to grill you. Like there is no uh <laughs> there's no right or wrong answer here. It's just gotcha. uh perfect. It's a lot of fun. So uh, well, let's I, do it, man. I'm in. I'm gonna go ahead and jump right in yeah, and, go ahead, and, Eric. and you do with this. With the uh, inaugural game kicking off yesterday, have you ever participated in the jump around at Camp Randall Stadium? Uh, I have. Yes, I have. See? Boom. I knew it. Off the bat. And, and off the bat, he hits a dinger. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. we're in. Yeah. And, we're uh, in. I'm in. Even I though yesterday, ACL doing it, but I'm right. <laughs> trust me, uh, I play volleyball on Tuesdays and I tear an ACL every single week. So for every uh, week, I tear my ACL. Yes, <laughs> I have a new ACL for every week, and uh, 
So, yeah, hey, even though yesterday was a loss for the Badgers, uh, hey, I'm glad that you participated in the best thing and the greatest tradition that there is at Camp Randall. Now, You got it, bud. You got it. Have you ever eaten a squeaky cheese curd? Of course. Oh, yeah, dumb, of course. Fresh, right? fresh, I mean, really fresh from a, from a, you go to a cheese company and you get them fresh right off the, you know, whatever, the line. Yep. Oh, yeah. Right out of the udder. See, I'm not quite that Bagani. Not out of the udder, but pretty close. It squeaked right out of the teat hit, and, and right hit, into your mouth. Hit the nip to tip. Right out of the teat. <laughs> nip to tip, he said. <laughs> so the um, next one I got for you, um, I, and this one I always ask. Um, yeah. When it comes to Pet Skull Brewing, if we're going to make a beer brat, is there a beer you recommend from Pet Skull we got to try out? Oh, absolutely. And the thing is, it just it just kicked last night, but we got another batch coming. It's our Harry Doyle Jr. It's our Czechoslovakian Pilsner. Ah, Harry um, Doyle. We actually, it's a Harry Doyle, you know, named after uh, Bob Euchre's character. Yeah. Oh, awesome. Yeah. Harry Doyle. Just yeah, a bit Harry, outside. It's, it's called the Harry Doyle Jr. Um as a matter of fact, we've got a friend that makes brats in his in his you know in his kitchen. You can't sell them; he just makes them for fun. Yeah, and we give him Harry Doyle all the time, and that's what he makes the brats out of. So I know for a fact it works. Oh, nice! I am in. Uh, is there any way that when we if we coordinate uh, yeah. uh, a visit to to Pet School, is there a way for that we sure. can get some Harry Doyle brat? Well, I tell you what, what we'll do is we'll make some Harry Doyle brat. We'll actually we'll, we'll make them up. We'll we'll go out the back door. We'll get the grill fired up. We'll have a couple couple tree beers and then uh, oh, have yeah. some broth. Yeah. Hell yeah. yeah. Awesome. Perfect. And now, uh, you're not, I mean, you're up there. You're up north. It's Manitowoc, uh, clearly. Yeah, north, yeah. Where do you consider to be up north? Uh, I think, uh, when I think of up north, I think of anything north of Crivets. Okay. okay yeah, that's yeah. a good answer. Yeah, Crivets is, I, think, I mean, it's known for cabins, man. Yeah, yeah, I think anything north of Crivets is considered up north. You know, anything else is northeast Wisconsin. Okay, <laughs> and and you know what, I, I and I respect that because that's kind of, that, I mean, that's a line that we've talked about before. Yeah, um, yeah, sure, sure. You know, most of the time we talk about like Highway Eight, uh, Wausau, oh, yeah, anything yeah, north yeah, of that. You know, is, yeah, right. but um, you know, hey. Uh, who are we to, to draw that definitive line? We're not even up there. I understand, but it's all it's all it's all good for discussion. Let's put exactly. It it's all so relative. We got a couple more for you. Um, so this one I always ask because I like to see people's musical taste. But have you been to Summerfest? And uh, if you've been there, is there a band you really love that you enjoyed seeing there? Well, as a matter of fact, I was just there last night. Holy uh, smokes! As a matter of fact, it, it, it's fresh in my mind. Uh, my daughter and I went to go see. Uh, 21 Pilots at oh, yeah. the, uh, the oh, amphitheater. Nice. I love and 21 it was, Pilots. Uh, it was fantastic. It's the third time I've seen them. These guys are amazing. They put on a crazy good show. Uh, I don't know why I'm promoting them. They're, they don't pay me to talk about them. But... <laughs> <laughs> you know, and 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 uh, true to fashion, I, I think uh, the musicianship between the, the two guys there are, is just oh. lights out. Yeah. I mean, there's a couple oh, of a uh, couple of historic bands that are too two members uh, yeah. uh who is it blackies yeah white stripes blackies um, black and then uh, there's one more that I, I'm, I'm forgetting the name and i've seen them before but i'll think of it later but i mean it, it truly is and and i've been in bands where there have been like seven members and it's <laughs> sure. hard enough to to create good enough music to do that but out of two guys uh two individuals that's amazing so that's really I, I, cool I, I, it, 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 if your listeners haven't listened to those guys yet, put them on. They are hit writing machines. And I'm a metalhead. 
Yeah. Uh, yeah. By trade. All right. I'm a metalhead. But Iron Maiden. The first time I saw these guys, yeah, oh yeah, Slayer, Anthrax, Slayer. And stuff, so. so twenty pilots. Um, um, twenty one pilots. Yeah. Make twenty one pilots. Uh, make your um, uh, royalty checks out to Pet Skull Brewing yep. when you send them into the studio. Yeah. yeah and lick if, lick if the rim. Mind, <laughs> they don't mind. It's Pet Skull Brewing Company LLC. Just to, to, so we can be perfect. Go. Got you on the check. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and and uh, another one that we have for you here, this one is uh, we haven't had a whole lot of success on this one. Okay, let's hear it. But have you ever milked a cow? <laughs> I have milked a cow. Okay, okay, good. great. Wow, that's pretty good. impressive to be honest. That is. Uh, you know, I I don't consider myself a farmer, but uh, back in the day, I had some friends that uh, uh, had a farm, and I went and. Uh, Helped in air quotes milk because I wanted to milk a cow one time in my life. So I got down there, I put the uh, you know the the flamingos on the udders, and you got uh, it. And, yep. You know whatever. Yeah, yeah. Did so you did you dress I, them I, first? I, you had to put the put the gunk on there, wipe them off, put it on, put the udder. Yeah, you know the whole yep, deal. Yep, I think I did. Yeah, we did it all. It was years ago. It was years ago. So uh, yeah, I awesome. put the gunk on, yeah. you know, on the udders. I I gunked up the udders, and then I yep. yeah I put on the. The, the Hasama, yeah. Yep. All right, Paul, before we let you go, this is probably the toughest one for brewery owners. We uh, we yeah. always ask this one. Um, So besides, obviously, Pet Skull Brewing, which we're making our way up soon, Um, is there another brewery uh, tap room that you suggest? And it doesn't have to be in Wisconsin. One of your favorite tours you've been on. Oh, man. It's um, the toughest question. I know. Yeah, well, right, because, I mean, there's so many good ones, right? And you're right. If it doesn't necessarily have to be Wisconsin, I think the one the one thing I was able to check off my bucket list about five years ago, I was able to get to uh, Santa Rosa, California, and I went to Russian River Brewing Company. Wow. And I was able to have, I was able to have like, Pliny the Elder fresh on tap. Um, Damn. You know, always one of the top-rated, you know, IPAs, yep. double IPAs, whatever it is. And, that's like the, um, that's the coveted I, one, you know? Right, and I was able. I had it in bottles a few times, but I was actually able to go to the tap room and have one of their pizzas and drink that fresh on tap. To me, that was a massive bucket list thing uh, for me. Um, yeah. Uh, the, the the next thing on my bucket list, people always say, "Paul, you're going to get over to Oktoberfest." I'm like, you know what? I want to go to Belgium. I want to go to Belgium and I want to do a tour of the monasteries. And I want to drink awesome Belgian beer made by mugs. That's my that's my long term goal. And you know, I think when you do go to uh, Oktoberfest as a Wisconsinite, you're actually cut off. Like you can only have a certain amount of beers, right? Isn't that true? <laughs> we, I, 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 th- I, th- I think yeah. I have heard that. That's why I'm not going. I yeah, I'm. You know, I'm not looking forward to that. I don't want to be told that I've had enough. You'll know when yeah, I've hey, had hey, enough. Hey, I'll have piss I'll on the front you. of my shorts, and I'll, I'll tell, tell you. you when I've had enough. Yeah, I'll, I'll tell, tell you. You. <laughs> you know, you know, you have enough of those German boots. You look like Payless shoes in front of you, and you got like a whole set. <laughs> so, you know, I think, I think we feel each other. I think we feel each other. We're on the same page here. I know it. Um. Hey, you know what, Paul? I, 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 I'm super happy and super excited that, that we were able to uh, sit down and have this chat. I'm, I'm obviously uh, grateful that you were able to take the time out today. Uh, this is a busy uh, weekend uh, holiday here, so um, I, I'm just really, really grateful that you were able to take some time out of your busy schedule in order to talk to us, and, and I, I'm really grateful. And uh, you know what? When we get up there, we'll schedule something, and, and we'll meet you up there. That's always great. Hey, I appreciate you guys thinking of me, wanting me on the show. I love talking about pet skull. I love talking about beer. Love talking about Manitowoc. So keep up the good work, man. All right, All right Paul. thank you so much, Paul. Have a great rest of your Sunday. Take care, guys. See ya. All right, bye. bye.
All right, that concludes this episode of Wisconsin Drunken History Podcast. If you enjoyed this vulgar display of Wisconsin, please like and subscribe on whatever streaming platform you prefer. And remember to hit the bell on YouTube to be notified when we release new content. Also, if you have any suggestions or ideas for future episodes, please send us an email at widrunkenhistory at gmail.com or head over to our Facebook and Instagram pages. Thanks again for listening, and remember as always, watch out for deer on your way home. home.